everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. We're looking forward to a good episode today. We've got some good energy. I'm NYJ Mike on Twitter, and of course, I'm joined by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt. Yeah, we're back. Welcome. Episode 10. Got a good episode for you guys. We're starting off with our first ever top five series, and we'll be doing the top five most ridiculous moments of the New York Jets in the 2010s to 2020 season. So going through 10 years, the most ridiculous things to happen. We're then going to do a quarter one recap, going through the first four games of the year. And then we'll head into the preview for the Arizona Cardinals week five game. So to start off, we're going to do every other pick, top five ridiculous moments of the 2010s the New York Jets. I'll start it off. I'm going with the butt fumble as the number one pick. I think it is an overrated play, but the fact that this really defined the career of Mark Sanchez and then looking at what happened in that game because Vereen called a 75-yard or 80-yard screen for a touchdown 40 seconds prior to the butt fumble. Butt fumble gets returned for a touchdown. And then Joe McKnight fumbles the kickoff for a touchdown. So 21 points in 40 seconds. That play was then worst of the worst in ESPN's, you know, not top 10 for 52 weeks. It was 52 weeks. Then they retired the play. I feel bad because, you know, Mark Sanchez calls it what it is. It was a bad play and a bad game when they were getting their ass kicked. But for me... That's number one on just an unreal moment, fumbling into Brandon Moore's ass. I hate to talk about it, but that has to be my number one. In my notes, I have the butt fumble is so overrated, but the whole sequence is what is so ridiculous. Yes. And that's why we have been best friends and diehard Jet fans for our entire lives because we think very similar. We do have different opinions, but – I, we, we didn't talk prior to making our selection, so we probably have similar notes, but was that your number one pick, or do, are we looking at... It probably would be, because okay. again, like you said, the reason was because it was the not top 10 number one play for a year, and they had to mercifully retire. <laughs> but the actual play is overrated. Mm-hmm. But yes, I remember it was Thanksgiving, and my family was going home, and... We, I was like, I just want it to be a close game in the, in the second, you know, when we get home for the second half, 35, nothing. And we Not should good. have beat the Patriots earlier that year, which yeah, is we were, what were we, four and six at the time for this game. It was oh, yeah. one of those games that if you win that, you can turn the corner, make a playoff run, tough, tough game. Uh, and, and a game that we won't forget for a long time. Brutal. Uh, my number one will be Geno Smith getting punched in the face Fuck. by IK and Kampali, <laughs> which, also occurred just two years after Sanchez got hurt in the Snoopy Bowl. So just like severe – well, the first case is severe mismanagement of your quarterback position. You, you can't have your quarterback getting hurt in week three of the preseason because you want to win a trophy of a cartoon dog. So that was 2013 where Sanchez got hurt and Geno came in. And then – it was Gino's job to lose in 2015. He got all those weapons. He had Marshall and, you know, Decker was a holdover and Ivory and whatnot. And you know what happened? Gino got punched in the face, in the jaw, and Ryan Fitzpatrick took over. It changed, you know, our franchise changed the history of a lot of franchises. I actually wrote an article about this where 
what if that never happened? Fitzpatrick career kind of, you know, fizzles out. And then like last year, Fitzpatrick is on the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Patriots in week 17. Then Tom Brady loses the buy in the wild card round of the playoffs, then loses to the Titans, leaves the Patriots, goes to the Bucks. Like that changes the history of football because IK punched Geno Smith over a $600 plane ticket. Crazy, crazy. And Mike, where Butterfly were we effect. eating when that broke? Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Route nine. That moment. And we were, it was weird because we weren't huge Geno fans, but we were like, all right, make or break year three. All the camp news, he was lighting it up and we were ready to go. Um, that was my number two. So good pick. I think I'm going to reach here because I think, I don't think you're going to pick my three. Um, okay. I'm going to go with week two. 2014 Jets are coming off a big win against the Raiders and they lose to the Packers 31-24 a touchdown is scored timeout is called on the sideline but who other than Sheldon Richardson the tricky thing about this was that it always has been said you know head coaches can only call timeouts if you've rewatched the replay uh, Marty Morningweg was the one who was you know dying to get a timeout and Richardson was the one who yelled it. Ref heard it. They called timeout. Just an unreal moment. I know the uh, the impact might not be as drastic, but just in your D lineman calling a timeout, negating a game tying touchdown to go two and zero in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. Ridiculous moment. I I can't even believe that it happened. And it was a weird play. It was like almost like a prayer to Jeremy Curley in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and then the Jets lost, how many, what did they lose? Eight straight games, seven straight games after that. Yeah, and they ended up converting on that fourth down following that play, but then the drive, you know, stalled after that. So difficult, difficult number two pick. Mike, what do we have here for your, your second pick? My number two is a little bit, it's Rex Ryan with a combination of things. A, his foot fetish being leaked to the media. Mm. and B, his Sanchez tattoo. So the fact that our, our head coach ha- was known to just love feet, I mean, because that's fine if he loves feet, but why? Yeah, I mean, we, how, we, does that, yeah. how does that get out into the media? Why does everyone have to know that he loves feet? And then he gets a tattoo of Mark Sanchez on his body. I mean, I love Rex, but it's just the definition of, of ridiculous that – and, and then, you know, San, like Sanchez didn't turn out right. Like, it just didn't – it's very bizarre. Like, if Bill Belichick had a tattoo of Tom Brady, you say, okay. You know, it's weird. It yeah. doesn't really fit his personality, but I get it. You know, they won six Super Bowls. You know, Rex Ryan has a tattoo of, you know, what is a below-average quarterback, who is one of my favorite players of all time. But That's the leader of your team. He's like the guy who, who gets these 53 players every week to kill it on the field, and he's talking about feet and has a tattoo of a – by all accounts, a average to below average quarterback. I agree. I didn't have it. I had that as like a, I had the foot fetish down there, but um, my number three, Monday night football game against the Dolphins, Sal Alosi trips a gunner coming down the field. When I was I watching it, <laughs> when I was watching it, I saw it happen and I was like, you know, I don't really see his knee extending. I was kind of like defending the the coach, but in, in all accounts, it happened. He he definitely tripped him intentionally. Um, maybe we can, you know, hire him back because I don't think the Jets were that injured that season. And after what happened the past three years, maybe we're missing a guy like this on the team. But 
just you can't have your own coach tripping players. I know Mike Tomlin also, you know, almost what was that? The Steelers Ravens game was standing on the sideline, similar play, and kind of stepped towards like the field and jumped back out. Didn't make contact. He was fine. Didn't get fired. This was an embarrassing play uh, from the Jets coaching staff here. Yeah, not good. Um, an interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff. To to the point of of the drill. I'm going to go my number three is Mr. Dimitri Patterson going AWOL. I mean, so how did, so the Jets, the Jets were quarterback needy, to say the least, in 2014. So they signed Dimitri Patterson to, you know, to a one-year $3 million deal, similar to Pierre Desir this year. Like kind of our de facto number one corner was going to wear number 24, which pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Um and then the guy went AWOL, and I, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he went. No one knows where he is. I think about this all the time. Where is Dimitri Patterson? Is he all right? Has he made media contact? I haven't heard about it. But, you know, very Jets to sign a guy, and, and he just disappears. Crazy, crazy. And then, I remember the beat writer said, hey, uh, John, or, you know, where, where is Dimitri Patterson? And they just said, we have no idea. It's just like something you never have, have seen before <laughs> in, in the, you know, digital modern era. Like I could like maybe in like 1970, you, you call the hotel room. He's not there. He doesn't have a cell phone. I get that modern day that can happen, but it's not Dennis Rodman going to like yeah. Vegas. Right. Yeah. Right. But going into a missing person, I'm going to go uh, number four, Mike McCagnan allowed to draft the 2019 class and then being fired going through the pick to Quinnen been okay to start the year, but has not shown yet. He's a number three overall pick polite was cut. Didn't even make the team. Chuma Chuma has looked eh at right tackle. It was overmatched at left tackle. Trevon Wesco, a blocking tight end, the fourth round when you already have tight ends. Don't love the pick. We love, you know, Blake Cashman, hasn't really produced on the field has been injured and the best pick of the draft plus on Austin being a, a starting corner for you. If Joe Douglas has that draft and I know, you know, maybe it didn't, you couldn't fire McCagney and, and get Douglas before that draft. Cause Christopher Johnson allegedly didn't know there was problems until Adam Gates came in and the organization looked amongst themselves. But if Joe Douglas has this draft, maybe he had offers for the number three overall pick to trade down. Maybe he takes, edge rusher Josh Allen maybe the later rounds shape out differently so being allowed to to draft that team and free agency it, it's just something that I I can't even believe the Jets let happen and it, it blows my mind to this day yeah I think the the Jets explanation is that like McKagan scouted all year but you could have just you know hired someone who had scouted that year I puzzling um that draft probably is i mean it's got to be mccagan's best you know at least you have some starting type players in later rounds uh like like you mentioned austin and, and uh blake cashman should play a lot and quinn's been a little better but it's not that's not the point the point is the what happened <laughs> right <laughs> right situation. uh all right so let's see what ridiculous uh Thing we're going to pick next. I think my number four. See, this is tough because there's a lot of 
crazy ones. So I, we should probably do some uh, honorary mentions. But right. my number four, I'm going to go with, with Gase's eyes in his press conference. Oh, damn. I mean, I mean, what? Like, I was watching it and said, you know, all right. As a Jeff fan, we were I, – I was hoping for Mike McCarthy. I want an experienced head coach. That's kind of how I lean anyway. Right now, we both love Jim Harbaugh. I like a guy who has success in the NFL. I think, you know, McCarthy did some good things with Aaron Rodgers. Like, he didn't start with Aaron Rodgers. He had Brad Favre to start. Got Aaron Rodgers with the 22nd pick. And, you know, Rodgers is an incredible talent. But McCarthy had a lot to do with that. And won a Super Bowl back in the championship game a couple times. So when the Jets hired Gaze, you know, we were not happy – we weren't like as mad as some people. So, you know, a little disappointing, tried to spin it into a good thing. And then you watch the press conference and you say, what the fuck is this guy doing? It looks like he took like bath salts or some kind of crazy drug. And he's, you know, then people put the meme of him looking at butterflies flying around. And say, what am I looking at? This is my new coach to say, you know, to save our franchise and to work with our young quarterback. And that was one of the most unbelievable things I've, I, that I've watched is, is that press conference. And that's what I was, I was Adam Gase with the googly eye glasses for Halloween last year. Right. So. And I remember when that happened, I looked at it on Twitter. I, I kind of brushed it off. I was like, I don't really care. Win games doesn't matter. And I remember talking to you and you were mad. You were like, why is that the first thing you do as head coach of the team look like an asshole up there? Um, and he, he always wears a hat now because his hairline, he looks ridiculous, but couldn't get away with wearing a hat, right? In his initial press conference, the the googly eyes it was a was a tough look. Um, I actually had as an honorable mention too, Adam Gase getting hired in general. But my last one was probably one of the toughest days I've had uh, being a Jet fan, and not for you know losing a game, but just a gut punch and how I found out. So I'm at work. Um, in a meeting, step out after an hour and have dozens of texts, dozens of Twitter notifications, Sam Darnold diagnosed with mono. I then go to WebMD. I go look everywhere and I'm told, you know, he, he might not recover for three to four weeks. It could be season ending. And coming off of a 16-point blown lead to the Bills, you're 0-1. You're thinking of the games that you have coming up. You know, I think it was Browns, Patriots, Eagles. You're in a tough stretch in a winning, winnable game at home. You lose, and Sam Darnold has a disease that no other quarterback, not even quarterback, a player gets in the NFL. It was a shocking development. It's an embarrassment to the organization. It's not Sam's fault. Sam goes up. I'm pretty sure uh, investigating reporting found out he got it up in Buffalo, or he was visiting upstate New York. You can't get mono in the NFL and be, it's one of the worst moments of my life. I didn't know how to react. I was screaming at people. I was yelling at people. And, and I just couldn't believe that we had to wait four weeks after waiting a whole offseason of you know loving what he did in Q4 of 2018. We get one game where he didn't play great, but still had no turnovers, 197 yards. We were fine with it. And then you can't watch him play for four weeks. Absolute killer. Mono is my number five. That was going to be my number five. So, yeah, <clears throat> you said it. It's It was vicious. It was – I mean, and then the, to top it all off, Trevor Simeon breaks his leg on, what, this fourth snap? So then you're with Luke Falk and just, you know, ruining this, the season. So, uh, 
vicious, brutal. That was, and it's rare. Yeah. So Killer. that sucked. Um, so I guess I'll go with my, my fifth. I felt way more strongly about Darnell Mono. <laughs> um, I'll go with when the Jets in 2014 tried to hide TJ Graham in the field. When, <laughs> so the Jets were receiving a kickoff in 2014. And they, they had Percy Harvin on one side standing up. And then they had TJ Graham trying to disguise into the turf. Uh, and, you know, predictably, the Jets didn't work out. They got like a six-yard return. And, you know, you can't uh, – we're really playing against the school of the blind. You're going to hide players in the field. Um, we were at I mean, that game. Yeah, we were at that game. In section 309, and we're looking down. And it was clear as day. From our angle, I'm like, why is he laying down? Is he messing around? Is he doing push-ups? Is he stretching? And then the – and correct me if I'm wrong, Percy Harvin didn't throw that ball. He kept it and got, like, uh, six yards on the kick return. It was just a disaster play. Yeah. Just stupid. Could have turned out worse. I've seen good honorable mentions, but – No, I, I think that was good. Before we go into the honorable mentions, we will say we'll post the graphic. Let us know who won. I'm pretty confident in my top five, but my – Honorable mentions was the Tebow debacle. So trading for Tebow and, and having that be the circus of Which the camp. Which I support. I still support yes, that. Yes. But not in the right – they didn't do it right. Uh, Victor Cruz, 99-yard touchdown on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Jets drafting Hackenberg in the second round. That's a bad one. Sanchez playing in a Snoopy Bowl with backups. And then Adam Gase getting hired to be the Jets coach. Yeah. I've got I've got Anthony Barr spurning the Jets, but that happens to other teams. But right, it's not so right. Jet centric. Um, but yeah, Anthony Barr signing here and then just not being on the team. Uh, Todd Bowles punting down multiple scores in the fourth quarter multiple times. Yep, just can't happen. My, probably my biggest pet peeve in the world, not just in football. Uh, Isaiah Crowell wiping his ass with the football. Oh, okay. that was pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered the, the main ones. I think someone's going to tweet at us something that we're like, well, we, like, yeah. I think we're missing something. Very, very possible. But, hey, good start to the top five. It was fun to go back down memory lane. We'll do more positive ones in the future. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. So now we're moving on to Q1 of the 2020 season. The Jets are 0-4 with – Really embarrassing losses to Buffalo, San Fran, Indianapolis, and then a more winnable game and a, a, a tough fault game until the end against Denver. Um, Mike, take me through gut reactions, how you feel going through the first four games. It's the worst possible start. The only thing that could have been worse is if Sam Darnold tore his ACL. It is literally the only thing that could have gone worse. Maybe like Quinnen doesn't play well. Like at least there's a couple of bright spots. You have Quinnen Williams playing well. It looks like Mackay Beckton is going to be a stud. Hopefully, you know, our stupid organization didn't already hurt him. Um, you know, maybe like a tear or something because they're saying it's just a pain tolerance issue right now. But I don't, I don't care what they say. I just keep the guy out, let him heal, especially now when Sam's not playing, who cares? Um, it's very disappointing because every year we go through, uh, we say, hey, look, maybe this is the year we can, you know, 
sneakily compete. Um, even, but even the last couple of years, you're, you're saying that, and there's not such a slew of injuries like there were this year or 2019. Like 2018 Jets aren't supposed to be very good. But, you know, they play some close games. They start up two and two, two and three, three and three. They win nice games. Like they won the nice game against the Colts. They score 42 points. You have Sam Darnold doing cool things. You have younger players that are producing. Um, now it's like this year is already, it feels like it's over before it began. It feels like we have no chance. The defense is horrifying. That's one of the biggest takeaways I have is that the defense just looks awful. I'm very surprised by that. The Jets mm-hmm. really just lost to Maul Adams um, and didn't make too many other changes. So you figure that, you know, the run defense is going to be kind of stout. You know, you, you get off the field sometimes on third down, force a couple of turnovers, and you'll be the 10th t- to 15th defense in the league with this coordinator, and it just hasn't been that way. hasn't gone that way. Yeah, you said it. The worst possible start you can imagine. I think the Jets... Looking at the cluster injuries last year, we thought it couldn't get any worse than that. It has gotten worse. It is now part of the identity of the team. I think injuries can be used to be an excuse for teams that lose a couple games. I think now that it's part of the culture and identity of the Jets that everyone gets hurt, no matter how important you are to the team, a backup, a starter, everyone going down is now a part of the culture of the team. So um, not an excuse anymore. It's on... Adam Gaze is on Joe Douglas, on the training staff. And my problem through Q1 is that the accountability is only being shown by Sam Darnold and the players. Um, no accountability by Gaze. You know, he, he ends every game with, I wouldn't have played any differently. He went back and said he wouldn't change any calls. He said the offense will not change with Joe Flacco as quarterback, which, you know, you can't build your team and your offense of a 23-year-old guy who gets out of the pocket and makes plays versus a 35 or 36-year-old quarterback who stays in the pocket with a neck injury. I just, it's just something that I cannot understand why Joe Douglas hasn't come out and said anything. And I think they usually do a week eight or week nine press conference with the GM. I would love for Joe Douglas to come out in front of it because the only time you hear Joe Douglas talking is about a 6-2 end of the regular season. You can come out and, and back up your quarterback regardless of what happens at the end of the year. The one thing I'm telling Jet fans to do is breathe. You are one quarter through the season. If Sam Darnold played a full game and sucked for a quarter, which by all measures, Sam has not played great the first quarter of the season, and he's had garbage help and a garbage coach, and it's difficult to, to win it with that. But if you get healthy and you have an okay second quarter and he plays great weeks 12 through 15 and he ends on a strong note you don't want to be the guy who's flip-flop three different times we know Darnold needs to play better stand by your guy for a little bit if week nine Sam is still throwing three picks only one touchdown 150 yards with Bell Perryman Mims out there me and Mike will completely back you up and have a rational discussion of what we should do next but right now it is way way too early to jump on a guy who's throwing to Josh Malone, Chris Hogan, and everyone's like, oh, Jeff Smith, oh, seven catches, good game. Darnold's the one who's making Jeff Smith have those opportunities. I'm tired of why does Jeff Smith get the credit and Darnold it looks back and said, oh, he had a bad game. Darnold, I don't think, had his best stuff against Denver week four. But when you look back at the game, he kept them in it at least, and he came back in after separating his shoulder and now the report, which is out of this world, that they can just inject whatever into Darnold 
have his shoulder be numb, go out there feeling great. The two guys you need to protect on this roster are Sam Darnold and Mekhi Becton, and they've mishandled both four weeks into the season. It's, a, it's an indictment on Douglas, Gates, and the entire staff, and I'm tired of it because the only one that's accountable is Darnold and the players. Yeah, it, it's, an ex, it, it's, it's exhausting to deal with the level of Darnold flip-floppery. What, what is going on? We have, our, the, we have the youngest starting quarterback in football coming into the season who is almost universally beloved by the fan base. And then the fan base watches him play the first four weeks with a shell of an already weak roster. And then they turn on him. But mind you, it, has not, it wasn't even four weeks in. This was happening in week two. And he played okay week two. Week two has been a decent yeah. start amongst all counts. So we watched Sam Darnold play a game week two against the 49ers, who had a lot of injuries themselves, with Braxton Berrios, Josh Malone, Lawrence Cager. Was Cager even playing week two? Or he didn't play week three. No, he didn't yeah. play week two. Berrios, Hogan, uh, Josh Malone, and Frank Gore against the 49ers. And then people were saying, let's tank for Trevor Lawrence. And it's just too much – it's too much change. It's not, you know, there are some things that you need to be consistent with. Um, you shouldn't give up on your quarterback after two weeks, after four weeks, like Matt said. If week 10, the Jets are 0-10, and Darnold misses maybe one or two weeks with his shoulder injury, comes back, has all his guys, he has Mims, he has Perryman, he has Bell, which, again, is, is what, the 26th best receiving core in the league normally? that had been reduced to its sixth and seventh string players. Um, so if, if Darnold is still struggling, still missing reads, doesn't look comfortable, week 10, you're 0-10, and then there's a generational quarterback prospect, I get it. You want to have that conversation. Weeks two to four, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me, especially if people want to say the Jets have the worst head coach in the league, which I think almost every Jets fan would do. You're still going to come out and say that our quarterback is horrible. And then I see these breakdowns of Darnold missing like an out route to Chris Hogan. Uh, you know, there are other teams where those, you know, if you're not perfect, it gets masked because you, let's say Darnold throws up a jump ball in the end zone to Chris Hogan, where it's, you know, another team has Stefan Diggs. He goes up and makes that play. All of a sudden, your stat line starts looking a lot better when you have that touchdown and the extra 30 yards. Whereas Darnold, if he misses a six-yard out route, it becomes national news on Jets Twitter. You know, so it's too, it's too critical. Um, can Sam play better? Yeah. Uh, is, it, is he in any position to succeed? No. He probably has the worst coach in the league and the worst skill position set, skill position core in the, in the league surrounding him through the first four weeks. And I think that's a fact. Can you find me a team that has a worse, maybe the Eagles have a worse technically wide receiver core, but then they have Zach, uh, they have Zach Ertz and they had Goddard before he got hurt. And they had Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. You know, and Doug I, Peterson over Adam Gase. Doug it's, Peterson, who won, who won a Super Bowl. So, you know, the Packers had some injuries, but, you know, they have Aaron Jones and they have, you know, they have, they have you know, Devontae Adams for part of the time. And it's, it's very frustrating to, to watch Sam take, you know, be completely flipped on. So then when people say, you know, how could you pass up on Trevor Lawrence? How? I'll tell you exactly why. And then they start invoking, hey, look, you're going to have to pay – Sam Darnold after this year. You know, you have to pick up his option and you have to pay him. First of all, you can get Sam on a discounted deal, which is awesome. Um, 
you know, you're not, like people are saying you're going to pay him $30 million a year. No. Why is he going to make $30 million a year right now? So, you know, if you believe in, in Sam, you can extend him without breaking the bank, which is, which is huge. Additionally, you know, people are saying, hey, you get Trevor on his rookie deal. You will get whoever you draft on a rookie deal. I'd rather have Sam Darnold pay him, the little, pay, him the, pay him his contract and the hall of draft picks than Trevor Lawrence and save the money from Sam being paid. And the reason why is you're still, let's say you, you pick fourth now. The Jets trade back with the Jaguars and pick fourth and they take Sewell, the, the, the tackle, to play right tackle from Oregon. You're not going to be paying you're going to be paying Sewell on his rookie deal and you're not going to have to sign a right tackle. Look at George Fan. George Fan got a three-year, $30 million deal from the Jets. It's essentially a one-year deal worth $10 million, but that's $10 million you're not paying to your right tackle. You could draft, you have another high first-round pick. Maybe you get a crazy receiver. That's, that's the money that you don't have to go out and spend in free agency for a receiver. So are you really saving that much money? I, much, I think any team in the league would pay $20, $30 million for multiple first-round picks. So if the Jets believe in Sam Darnold, which they should, which we do, and he shows you something towards the end of this year, like you said, the analogy of a game, this is the first quarter of the season. If you had a bad first quarter in a game, it's not over. So, uh, you know, the the Jets need to evaluate this guy. And if you have any confidence in going forwards, you keep him, you trade the first pick. If you have the first pick, you get a King's ransom of picks for him. And the money will probably uh, almost even out anyway in the long term. I agree. And, I, and my biggest thing to say is that we are Jet fans, not Sam Darnold fans. At this moment, we think that's the best route to win is to do the, exactly what Mike just said. But don't be a sheep on Twitter if you see a clip of him missing a four-yard out route. Now, there, there are times you can look at the game. I think it was a play he got hurt on. Uh, even on the original play, I'm thinking – cross and receivers wide open hit him and you can look at those plays and be like Sam missed the guy but to take out of context photos and draw a bunch of arrows and and say you know he didn't hit him on a four yard out route I, I get as a breakdown you might want to call that out I see a lot of breakdowns calling that out and not saying how he rolled left made a great throw to Crowder and and how no one can make that throw if you find tape of Patrick Holmes you will see him missing an open receiver downfield Maybe what is happening with Darnold is he's had two and a half years of an inept offensive line and no one getting open that he does get jittery in the pocket and his feet do go out of whack sometimes. And maybe he goes through his progressions too quick. All of that is possible. How we get back from that is to build a decent O-line, give him some type of competent skill players that aren't hurt all the time, watch a full game against a normal team, doesn't need to be the Bills defense, and say, you know what? I think Sam had a pretty damn good good game today. How hard is it? I, I don't know. Just all I'm asking is to breathe. Don't see a clip on Twitter and immediately think Sam Darnold's not a good quarterback because he missed Chris Hogan on a four-yard out route. Right. And back to my point from before, maybe, you know, maybe Sam misses Chris Hogan on that four-yard out route. Another quarterback in the league has that mask because later in the drive, he'll throw a 50-50 ball to his number one receiver in the end zone, and that guy will come down with it. Darnold throws a 50-50 ball in the end zone to Chris Hogan. It's more like a 10-90 ball. It's, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, and, you know, again, people are going to say making excuses, making excuses. What? Like you said, there are some times where some excuses are warranted, 
there are, and, and we're, but again, we're not asking for, you know, sign Donald right now to an extension. We're not asking. All we want is, like Matt said, a little bit of patience. Uh, let's wait more than th two, three, four weeks before we give up on our 23-year-old quarterback who is loved by analysts. He's, he's well-respected around the league uh, in terms of, you know, reporters, coaches, analysts. You've seen it. It's not a, it's, it's every, it's Tony Romo, it's Jordan Palmer, uh, it's Dan Orlovsky, uh, and it's Colin Cowherd, who says, you know, he always says he has like nine GMs that he talks to around the league that whatever. So pump the brakes a little bit. Let's not go back on our takes from a month ago and, you know, the end of the summer. I just don't know why people want this guy to fail. And plus, what are the odds we even get Trevor Lawrence? You know, or if we don't have the first pick, I don't think this is even a conversation anyway. We're just going to take Justin Fields. It'd be a disaster. If right. they did that. And An unforgivable disaster to move on from Sam, unless you're taking really an all-time generational talent, which Trevor Lawrence is. And we've talked about how the strange schedule will matter at the end of the year. Jets have, you know, AFC West and NFC West all projecting out to have high records. If you get a tiebreaker, you're not going to win that. And it goes to the, the team with the lesser strength of schedule. But moving on, we're going to wrap up here with an Arizona preview. The Cardinals are flying west to east. The Jets have a home game. Uh, the west to east flight didn't matter for the 49ers or Broncos on a short week. They still beat the Jets at home. Cardinals are 2-2. Two and two. Beat the 49ers week one, Washington football team week two. And then, you know, people thought at that time, Murray and Kingsbury, real deal. And then they've dropped two straight, won a home game to the Lions, who as much as the Lions continue to blow big leads, they're bottom six roster in the NFL. You, you can't lose that game if, if you're the Cardinals at home. And then you lose to Carolina, which a lot of people had projecting out to get a, a, a bottom five. Um, team as well so weird two losses you, you got to think that the Cardinals are hungry to, to snap that losing streak against the depleted Jets team uh, want to see your initial thoughts on that game yeah if you're a Cardinals fan this is you know uh, it's it's a must win in some sense because like you said you just lost two games against winnable opponents and there's gonna be a lot of tough games for the Cardinals that whole division is stacked they have to deal with the Seahawks and the Rams uh, you know, it, it's, it's a vicious division and a, a vicious conference. And the Jets coming in, you know, they're coming in to play the Jets with Joe Flacco. And, you know, if you're a Cardinals fan, you probably think you're going to win this game. There's, they're a touchdown favorite. Um, for the Jets, this is, and, and as a Jets fan, this is a very underwhelming game to look forward to. At least Le'Veon Bell is going to come back off the IR for this game. Um, we'll get to see Joe Flacco. If you want to see four-yard out routes to Chris Hogan, you know, this is your game. So for all those – for all the Twitter pundits that are mad at Darnold for not throwing those, you know, quick reads, you're going to get it this week with uh, the statue of Joe Flacco. And, look, Joe Flacco is a great signing. Um, and on a normal circumstance, if your quarterback goes down and you have former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco ready to go – I'm very happy, and we'd be very happy looking forward to this game. Um, you know, we'd say, hey, look, we got a chance. I think the Jets have a chance to win this game. The Cardinals haven't shown me too much. Kyle Murray 
He's had a weird season. He had 130 yards passing last week. He's scored a lot of touchdowns. He has 11 touchdowns himself, seven passing and four rushing. Um, and the Cardinals have some star players around their roster. They have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they have Patrick Peterson, notable guys. But as a whole, not the most complete team yet. Could the Jets play a close game? Sure. Uh, you know, is it going to be an exciting offense for the Jets? No. It's going to be a lot of, you know, Flacco probably checking down. Hopefully, Le'Veon Bell does some cool stuff. I mean, yeah. Mims doesn't look like he's coming back this week. Yeah, and the Cardinals, if you look at their their injuries, they have everyone healthy right now. Buda Baker is coming back for this game, and the entire team is looking healthy. Upcoming for the Cardinals is at Dallas and home against the, the Seahawks. Two tough matchups coming up. You have to think this is a must win for them, looking at what they just did the past two weeks and then what they have the next two weeks coming up. Uh, Cardinals seven-point favorites. I think this is a, a 31-20 loss for the Jets. I'm taking the Cardinals by 11. Um, my prediction this game is uh, Flacco is going to come out looking competent. He's played a lot of games before. He's going to be okay. The initial talk on Twitter is, oh, my God, Flacco looks good in Gase's offense, and the end is near. And then Kyler Murray is going to gash the Jets passing and rushing, um, and Sam Ficken is going to miss two field goals. So that's He's my good. prediction, 31-20. Yeah, I think it's going to be something like that. I don't know if the Cardinals are going to score 31 points. Uh, you know, against us, everyone's been marching up and down the field, though. Uh, Kenyon Drake, another good player. It's their running back. We don't contain mobile quarterbacks so well. Kyler Murray is certainly that. Uh, it's going to come, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to Avery Williamson, Neville Hewitt and company. I guess Alec Ogletree is, plays 73% of snaps for no reason. Um, you know, trying to contain Kyler running. We just have to tackle well. Probably something like 28 to 17, the Jets will lose this game. Uh, again, with Flacco. And, and yeah, so it's like to your point before, Matt, some guy was tweeting at me that Joe Flacco was better than Sam Darnold last week because he was two for two with 16 yards. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, first of all, obviously it's ridiculous. Second of all, what do you feel like? He threw like an 11 yard drag on like third and 30. Um, so, but hopefully, like, hopefully the Jets' offense is in rhythm. Hopefully the receivers play well. I hope Crowder keeps keeps it up. Um, well, I'm excited to see Bell back. I think we're just going to pound the rock with him. Um, maybe we'll see some P. Ryan. The Jets have they signed Ty Johnson. Maybe this guy will be something, the running back. So maybe they get Herndon more involved. And I'd like to see the offensive line block well. I, you know, you want the team to play well, but a lot of, you know, even like most of our young players that we care about are out too. Like it doesn't look like Bless Austin is going to play. Mims is probably not going to play. Becton's not going to play. Um, so, you know, you're going to pick and choose. Hopefully Quinnen has a good game. Marcus May. Try focusing on those guys. That's my advice to Jets fans. And and just be, be calm and be normal. Don't be a maniac. If Joe Flacco goes 22 for 33 with 217 yards of touchdown and no picks, I don't want to hear that. Like, we're going to have to somehow hear on Twitter that it's a better than Darnold. Just think about what you're, you know, what you're tweeting about. Think about what is going on. There's no reason, again, to throw your young quarterback under the bus. And 36-year-old statue Joe Flacco is not the answer. He's a smart signing for as a backup, especially after what we've seen last year with Luke Falk. So let's just take a deep breath. 
and watch the game. Young players play well is what we need. And we don't need to trash Donald because Joe Flacco throws for 216 yards. I agree. Good recap of Q1. Good preview of the Cardinals game. Fun top five. Mike, another good episode. 10 down. A lot more to come. So really looking forward to it. If you made it this far and you haven't subscribed yet, rated, reviewed, followed on Twitter, do everything you can. Um, we're having a good time doing this. I know we've we, well, created our Twitter accounts eight months ago. Yeah, and now we're, we're, we're feeling pretty good about it. So keep it positive. Uh, and Mike, I'll talk to you soon.